You're listening to a Fat Cat Media podcast. This is The Road Less Travelled, presented by Nikki Shea. The Road Less Travelled. G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast, Nikki Shea back in the seat with you. A warm welcome to you if you're joining us for joining us rather for the first time, a very warm welcome to you and if you're a seasoned listened, listener, welcome back to the podcast. You can follow us each and every week or each and every day, each and every hour if you so desire on Facebook and Instagram, also on our YouTube page as well. Simply search for the Road Less Travelled podcast and on Instagram it's the Road Less Travelled podcast 2021. That's where you will find us. If you are searching for previous episodes of the show and you're on Google, just search for the Road Less Travel podcast with Nikki Shea, and that's where you'll find us. You can find out more by visiting our website, which is fatcatmedia.com.au, and there you can find out more about what we do with Fat Cat Media, the various services that we provide, also all the backlog of the Road Less Travel podcast from Season 1 and Season 2. Love getting your feedback and comments as well, and you can do that at any time. You can SMS or give me a phone call on 042-752-8467. You can email fatcat at iinets.net.au. That's fatcat with a P-H-A-T-C-A-T. And you can also shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram, and we will get back to you. Don't forget, please keep on sending in the requests of things that you'd like us to cover in upcoming episodes. Really love getting your feedback, love getting your comments, and it's great to talk to some of you as well. So please feel free to reach out at any time. Happy to take phone calls and happy to take messages as well on the Road Less Travel podcast. This week we acknowledge to the passing of the monarch Queen Elizabeth II who passed away as UK's longest serving monarch. She died at Balmoral in Scotland aged 96 after reigning for over 70 years. She died peacefully on Thursday afternoon at the Scottish residence and estate where she has spent much of the summer. The Queen came to the throne in 1952 and witnessed enormous social change. Her son, King Charles III, said the death of his beloved mother was a moment of great sadness for him and his family and that her loss would be deeply felt around the world. He said, We mourn profoundly the passing of a cherished sovereign and a much-loved mother. I know her loss will be deeply felt throughout the country, the realms and the Commonwealth and by countless people around the world. During the coming period of mourning, he said he and his family would be comforted and sustained by our knowledge of the respect and deep affection for which the Queen was so widely held. The King and his wife Camilla, now known as the Queen Consort, returned to London on Friday and King Charles um, was dressing the, the nation on fr- uh, Friday night or early Saturday morning Australia time. Senior royals had gathered at Balmoral after the Queen's doctors f- became concerned about her health earlier on that day. All the Queen's children travelled to Balmoral near Aberdeen after the doctors placed the Queen under medical supervision. Her grandson and now heir to the throne, Prince William, and his brother Prince Harry, Prince Harry also gathered there. So in the coming days and weeks there will be massive change and over the coming months and year no doubt there will be massive change as far as uh, getting used to the fact of no longer having a Queen and resorting to having King Charles III as our reigning monarch. So plenty of different things coming our way and for most of us, well all of us from my generation and, and back, we've only known the Queen as the head of state of, uh, of our country and it will be a massive change and I think a lot of people too 
uh, starting to reflect on the way that she conducted herself and as I said earlier massive changes social reform uh, unbelievable in over 70 years and she was the mainstay she was steadfast um, she didn't get emotionally involved in things she seemed to lead with, dis with dignity uh, grace composure and uh, a lot of love and humor from what we can gather as well so uh Rest in peace, Queen Elizabeth II, and uh, we'll see what happens with King Charles III. Now, this week, we are actually definitely out on the road less travel. Behind me, you can hear a roar of a little engine. That is our generator going, powering the electricity as we do this week's recording of the Road Less Traveled podcast. So definitely well and truly out on the road. And I wanted to have a chat to you, too, about um, when, as you know, a lot of a lot of you will know from the podcasts and our social media that I do a lot of prospecting and um, I, sometimes I will go off on my own sometimes with other people and it's been a mainstay for us to make sure that I have some form of uh, mobile GPS we've spoken about that before the one I've got at the moment and I just want to have a quick chat to you about it is the Garmin InReach Mini 2 it is a cracking little thing cost us about uh, 600 bucks but people say oh my god that's so expensive but hey if you get lost there's no price that you wouldn't pay to get yourself out of strife and with this little Garmin I guess you could say that home is closer than you think it's a compact satellite communicator and it helps you home um, or it helps keep your home with you when you're off the grid it adds peace of mind to every adventure without adding weight to your pack it's a global satellite coverage which keeps you connected when mobile phones can't. In an emergency, it can send an interactive SOS message to uh, their coordination centre that Garmin have. You can still connect to the ones who matter, even without having your mobile phone coverage. And with this little thing, it's called Traceback, um, this traceback, um, I was going to say routing, routing, find your way back if you happen to get lost. So you can also expand the capabilities of the in-reach device by using the Garmin Explorer app. Everything's got an app these days. And you can stay on adventures longer because it has up to 14 days, that is 14 days, not hours, 14 days of battery life in 10-minute tracking mode. It is a ripping little piece of equipment. It's only a tiny little thing. And you can do two-way messaging with it. You can exchange text messages with loved ones back home you can post to your social media or you can even communicate in reach to in reach in the field so you can basically talk to each other if someone else has got one of these little doodaddies as well it has interactive sos alerts so in case of emergency you trigger an interactive sos message to the garmin um, or a 24 7 sort of staffed emergency response coordination center so that's what you're always sort of being monitored so big brother is in fact watching you can also do location sharing when that means that you can share your location with loved ones back home or at any other time using that little map share page or with your coordinates you can um, sort of embed them into your messages too so it shows your latitude and longitude where you actually are now with the global satellite network instead of relying on mobile phone coverage your messages sos alerts and location tracking are transferred via the global um, satellite network that they have in built with garmin it also has flexible satellite airtime plans which means to access the network and to communicate with your inreach mini 2 there's an active satellite subscription is required you can opt out for opt in or opt out for annual package or a flexible month to 
month plan as well. And it's a compact little doodaddy. It's uh, got great little rugged design. It's uh, got a four inch by two inch size and 100 grams. That's the, the weight of it. Don't let it fool you. The Mini 2, it's a tough, durable, impact resistant little um, water rated to uh, IP7 and it's just ready to go. You can do the traceback routing as I said or traceback routing, whatever you want to say if you're in America or Australia. It uh, features um, it, well, it's not a feature. It helps you navigate your way back to your starting point the same way that you came in and that's if you get lost right to uh, your device. So I use it a lot when I'm out detecting and it helps me plot my route and I can put little markers down if I happen to find something of interest that I want to go back to at another time. It also has a digital compass where you can get accurate heading information even when you're not moving which is really handy as well and the battery life the internal it's got a rechargeable lithium battery it gives you up to 14 days use at the default 10 minute tracking mode and up to uh, I think 30 days in power saving mode. It also has a weather forecast service. You can get detailed weather updates on the little InReach Mini 2 uh, on a paired compatible device. You can also do requested forecasts to your current location on other uh, sort of points of interest that you've marked or destinations on your itinerary too. It's got unlimited cloud storage and trip planning. You can get free access to the Cloud Power Garmin Explore website on your computer to plan your trips. You can sort of create and preset messages and quick texts and you can sync and manage your device settings and much, much more. The Garmin Explore app, when you sync the app with the Garmin Explore website and the mobile app on your smartphone for navigation waypoints, courses, uh, activities and collections. You also get access to the planning and the topographical mapping which is a really really handy um, piece of um, a little feature that it has, we'll, we'll call that. Uh, for other Garmin devices, you can remotely control your InReach Mini 2 to send and receive messages, start and stop tracking and trigger an interactive SOS using compatible uh, Garmin handhelds. And you can also, um, like if you've got a handheld or if you've got a wearable or other mobile device too. And the Garmin Pilot app, when you pair with the Pilot app, in easy, it can easily send and receive text messages from the cockpit, even without mobile reception. And the app can use the InReach Mini 2 device's GPS position and the location sharing abilities for your flight too. So there's so many things that you can do with these little jiggers. Fantastic little piece of... Uh, uh, safety device. Um, as I said, when you don't have mobile phone coverage, the InReach Mini 2 um, by Garmin is certainly one to think about putting in your collection for outdoor recreation handhelds. And as I said, only weighs 100 grams, and that's uh, something that I thought I'd have a chat to you about because a lot of people said, how do you actually, when you're out and about, do you rely on your mobile phone? Boom, boom, don't rely on your mobile phone. Make sure that you get yourself a decent handheld GPS. And whilst we're on the road and obviously in the background, as I said, you can hear the generator. It got us thinking and I've been looking at a lot of reviews online for various generators. The generator we've got, I think, is about uh, about 15, actually be a lot older than that. I think it's about 25 years old. And someone said to me, and I think I was searching or randomly looking the other day on YouTube and a guy was doing a review on a Bluetti. What the heck is a Bluetti? A Bluetti is a solar generator. And I thought, what on earth is a solar generator? How does it work? Well, solar generators like the Blue Eddy are sort of a great source for backup power for all sorts of outdoor trips. 
They're apparently light and portable, allowing you to charge and run various electronic devices via renewable energy. Plus, they're also eco-friendly and they say, unlike conventional generators, they don't require you to keep loading up with fuel on hand. With all this being said, the question remains, how exactly does a solar generator work? Well, I'm glad you asked. A solar generator works by collecting solar energy through solar panels and then storing that energy into its built-in solar battery. An inverter then converts that energy into alternating current, which is your AC power, before it's released for use in home appliances and other electrical devices. And when combined, these sort of three components make a fully functioning solar generator. But what is a solar generator? Glad you asked. Ultimately, the term solar generator can actually be referred to any technology capable of being powered by the sun's energy. However, most commonly when people use the term solar generator, they are more often than not referring to a portable power station setup like the ones that I just mentioned with Bluetti Power. These special little systems are capable of capturing the sun's energy via integrated solar panels which then transport said energy to an internal storage system usually comprised of lithium technology. Solar generators may not always be the right setup for large homes. However, they can be extremely useful for boats, caravans, campers, or emergency backup if you experience a blackout in your area. So how does it work? Well, they can provide off-grid energy consistently over extended periods of time without requiring anything other than the power of the sun. Solar generators provide a green solution for power generation that in many cases can be as effective or even more effective than the propane or gas-powered generators. They work by integrating a solar panel, charge controller, a battery system and an inverter into a compact system that is able to convert that solar energy into the usable electric current. To better understand how solar generators work, we'll look at each of the little components individually. So a battery, well, solar generator needs to store the energy it collects from the sun in order for you to be able to use it at a later stage, and the battery function as that storage unit. Now, lithium batteries have been used in a wide variety of solar generators on the market since about the year 2016, and they were super expensive when they first came out. However, you can also use less efficient lead-acid batteries, which are cheaper and more abundant than lithium technology. With that being said, though, lithium batteries do have significant advantages over lead-acid batteries, and the recommendation to use lithium batteries is they are safer, lighter, and more affordable in the long term. Now, a charge controller. It is a vital component of the solar generator. Its main purpose is to protect and promote the durability of the battery. Charge controllers usually have various features for charging and discharging based on the certain type of battery and the solar panel combination that you're using. Now, charge controllers are crucial to making a solar generator work as they balance the power dynamic between the solar panels and the batteries. And, of course, you can't do anything without an inverter. This component converts the load direct current, the DC, from the battery to an alternating current, AC, which can be used to power your everyday household items. Appliances that require DC power can actually do without the inverter since the electricity does not need to be converted. And you can find out more 
we'll put something up on our Facebook page uh, to understand the differences between AC and DC power if you want to f- further understand that. So back to where I started because I, as you know I like to go off topic very very I get distracted quite easily. We're talking about these Bluettis, the AC200P. Well, that is a portable solar power station with a range of features that promises to beat the competition into the dirt, does it though? It's a 2000 watt solar generator. It's a well-rounded power box with many strengths and a few weaknesses too. It gives you five modes of charging, uh, a total of 17 output ports and an excellent touchscreen with plenty of options to set and choose from. This latest generation high capacity lithium phosphate battery promises around 3,500 charge cycles and is much more safer to the environment than standard lithium polymer and lithium ion on batteries. They say it's a great ideal choice for RVers and campers as well as people vacationing off the grid who don't like the idea of gas generators, well petrol generators polluting their surroundings. The Bluetti AC200P has high power output and battery capacity, advanced battery technology, 3,500 charging cycles, 700 watt of solar charging, wireless charging, and it's rugged yet stylish design. It has it's quite heavy. They say you can improve on the weight, and the LCD screen is hard to read in bright hard to read in bright sunlight as are all LCD screens, and it has pretty average AC charging speed. So if you are someone who cares deeply about the planet and is addicted to the big outdoors um, and you've vowed to never use a fuel generator again and if you're into energy use, well, when I say energy use, like as you can hear in the background, our, our generator revving its little motor off, you will have near to zero emissions if you use something like a Bluetti. And like everything, as soon as something comes out in the market, it's getting copied quite quickly. So if you're running something like a Bluetti, um, or if you have a Bluetti, or you're running something similar, or you have something totally different, drop me a line. We'd love to hear from you and find out how you power your um, roadless travel adventure, whether you're an RVer, if you're camping in tents, if you're in a caravan like us, what you do. What we actually do is if we're not running the generator, we will run a solar panel into the inverter and we have a dirty great big um, battery that we will uh, store the power, uh, store our solar energy into that Then we run an inverter. We also on our truck we have um, DC to DC charging capabilities as well so while the we have and put a sentence together. There are we have an auxiliary battery um, that we run our angle. We can run the travel buddy off. Um, I can we can charge a whole lot of different things. You can plug an Anderson plug in there as well, and you can put solar uh, plug that straight into the battery too. So that is uh, generating as well. So we have quite a quite a comprehensive setup, but uh, it'll be antiquated because our Colorado's, what's it's a 2011 model now, so it's 11 years old, so that's when we sort of first got that, that we put all, hooked all this sort of stuff up, so it'll be out of date now, but I'd love to hear what uh, options you're running to power when you're living off-grid on the road. I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line, 0427528467, or email fatcat at iinet.net.au. We're here to talk about the road less travel. We've talked a whole lot of things that we do when we're on the road. So where are we going this week? We'll find out more in just a moment. You're listening to the Road Less Travel podcast with me, Nikki Shea. Back with more very soon. 
Fatcat Media has over 25 years within motorsport media and marketing. Fatcat Media has the proven knowledge and expertise to help your next event. We have a variety of services available. They are including West MX Coaching and Development Schools, where we conduct schools and clinics across various metropolitan and country clubs throughout Australia. We cater our motocross coaching for beginners right through to intermediate junior riders. The coaching clinics are solely created and catered and also designed for smaller numbers to effectively support each rider and hone in on their particular requirements. Whilst our schools are designed for two days right through to five day camps with multiple Motorcycling Australia accredited coaches giving individual coaching, drills, training, development and feedback throughout the duration. Our prices for coaching start at $150. The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian fiercely independent podcast hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. When you think about the state of Western Australia, you're left with wide open spaces, the outback, the ochre red the pilbara area as well you always think of the deserts the sand the heat there's also a fantastic coastal array of western australia as well because obviously most of it is surrounded by coast you can go up through the kimberley all the way down through the coral coast down through the likes (coughs) excuse me of exmouth right down to uh, to geraldton all the way down to perth and then you go down to the great southern area of western australia which is a very unique part of the uh, of the country and it is the largest and the most diverse region within Australia's southwest located about uh, four and a half hours four to five hours southeast of Perth it varies from unspoilt coastline and idyllic seaside towns to sprawling agricultural lands too plenty of national parks harboring some of the world's rarest species of flora and fauna And I really recommend too that you have the opportunity to explore the coast because along the south coast the sheer force of the Great Southern Ocean has sculptured a raw dramatic coastline creating some really remarkable seaside scenery. Think cliff faces carved out by crushing waves and natural rock formations in the shape of giant bridges. It's an adventurous playground with everything from rock climbing and windsurfing to four-wheel driving and coastal hiking on offer. If you're looking for a picture-perfect beach there's places like bremer bay albany and denmark offer some of the most instagram worthy spots in the world including misery beach named tourism australia's best beach in 2022 and the infamous green pool and elephant rocks you can also discover ancient forests and mountains and a little further inland you'll find carry jarrah and tingle trees that are hundreds of thousands of years old towering above the forest floor you can also walk amongst these beautiful tingle trees at the valley of the giants treetop walk to get a magnificent view of the franklin river at the mount franklin wilderness lookout then there are the ancient mountain ranges with breathtaking views from the challenging hike and climbers a visit to the sterling range national park or the Parongarup National Park won't disappoint. And you can learn about the Great Southern the Great Southern's historical past. The historical landmarks and stories behind them are equally as impressive. 
Albanese, Albany's rather, King George Sound was the first European settlement in WA settled before the Swan River Colony in Perth. And in addition, the area has magnificent ties to World War I, with Albany being the departure point for the majority of the Anzac troops who left for Europe during the war. The Great Southern Treasures pioneering farming communities that offers insight into the region's rich rural heritage can also be found dotted between winding rivers and picturesque farmlands. By area in Australia, it's made up of five wine subregions, Denmark, Denmark, Franklin River, Mount Barker, Parongarup and Albany are renowned for producing a variety of wine styles and including cool climate wines too. You can team a good bottle of wine with freshly caught seafood and locally grown produce and you've got a recipe for a great foodie holiday. If you're looking for a bucket list in the Great Southern, you can hike up one of Western Australia's highest peaks, which is Bluff Knoll, for the spectacular view of the Stirling Range National Park. You can explore the rugged coastlines in the Turindarup National Park, including the Gap, the natural bridge with a viewing platform hanging over the edge of the Southern Ocean, so you can watch the powerful waves crash against the cliff faces, and Misery Beach, as I said, Crown Tourism Australia's best beach for 2022. You can walk amongst the giants with an impressive tingle trees with the 600 metre long treetop walk 40 metres above the forest floor at the valley of the giants treetop walk you can marvel at the peppermint tinged waters of greens pool and elephant rocks near denmark and grab a snorkel as you frolic in their protected bays of crystal clear ocean then you can immerse yourself in rich cultural heritage at the National Anzac Centre and learn about the 40,000 soldiers who departed Albany Shores for the First World War. You can take a self-drive tour of the Great Southern Wine Region, sampling the vast array rather of wine varieties from Cabernets to Merlots and Chardonnays. You can visit the massive grain silos with painted murals by internationally renowned artists in Albany and Peringrup as part of the public solo trail and while en route stop by Katanning to discover vibrant street art. Then you can experience Aboriginal traditions and culture at uh, Kojanup where you can immerse yourself in Aboriginal storytelling. You can see colourful wildflowers in spring which is September to November so now at the Regional Wildlife Garden at Discovery Bay and get up close and personal with Majestic Wales on board a whale watching charter which departs Albany from June to August or join a research vessel to spot migrating wild orca populations in Bremer Canyon from January to early April. You explore the towns within the Great Southern Region as well, but for more information, I really recommend that you do put it on your bucket list of the Great Southern Region of Western Australia. And you can find out more too by jumping on their website, which is australiasouthwest.com.au. And if you're in Melbourne, and I think it's coming to um, a showground near you, you will find the 2022 they say it's the second largest caravan and camping show in victoria it's the melbourne leisure fest and i believe that they are various uh, leisure fests coming to uh, various states and territories it's from october 6 to 9 you can find it at the sandown Racecourse if you're in melbourne tickets are available their tickets are available online only and the leisure fest will take place from thursday the 6th of october through to sunday the 9th of october and it's your 
one-stop shop for all things caravans and camping. Melbourne Leisure Fest will showcase more caravans, pop-tops, tents, camper trailers, motorhomes, camper vans and touring accessories than ever before. Whether you're caravanning or camping, accessories can make or break your trip as we know. There will be th- huge things at this expo that you didn't know you needed all at expo prices. Tickets are 22 bucks for adults, concessions 18 bucks, kids free if they're 15 years and under and all kids must be accompanied by an adult. For more information, jump on to Leisure Fest in Melbourne Leisure Fest. They've got a Facebook page and they have a website as well and tickets are available only online. Don't be a bit of a tool like I was when I turned up at the National 4x4 show at the Melbourne showgrounds ready to buy a ticket at the gate when I had to get my mobile phone out and do it like about 20 other people at the gate and that was embarrassment plus but uh Lisa got in there and got to buy a whole lot of things at the National 4x4 show. This week our focus of course was on the Great Southern as well as a few little updates that we've been doing on the road less travel and you can't go past the great southern i guess you could say its unofficial capital really would be albany and albany is a port city in the great southern region in wa about 418 kilometers to the southeast of perth the city centre is at the northern edge of the Princess Royal Harbour, which is a part of the King George Sound. The central business di- district of Albany is bounded by Mount Clarence to the east and Mount Melville to the west. The city is um, a fantastic, really vibrant little city now. And while it's not the oldest colonial, um, it's not the Euro- it's it's not the European oldest settlement in. While it is the oldest colonial, though not European, settlement in the territory that today is Western Australia, predating Perth and Fremantle by over two years, it was actually a semi-enclave of the New South Wales uh, for over four years until it was made part of the Swan River Colony. The settlement was founded on the 26th of December in 1826 as a military outpost for New South Wales for the purpose of forestalling the French ambitions in the region. To that end, on the 21st of January 1827, the commander of the outpost, a Major Edmund Lockyer, formally took possession for the British Crown of the portion of New Holland not yet claimed by the British Crown, that is, the portion west of the 129th Meridian East, with the portion east already being claimed collectively by the British Crown as New South, New South Wales and Van Diemen's Land. During the last decade of the 19th century, the town served as a gateway to the eastern goldfields, and for many years it was the colony's only deep water point, having a place of eminence on shipping services between Britain and its Australian colonies. The opening of the Fremantle Inner Harbour in 1897, however, saw its importance as a port decline, after which the town's industries turned primarily to agriculture, timber and later whaling. Contemporarily, though, Albany is the southern terminus for tourism in the region and the state's southwest, for which it's known for its natural environment and the preservation of its history. The town, too, as I said earlier, has a role in the Anzac legend, being the last port of call for troop ships departing Australia in the First World War. On the 1st of November 2014, the Australian and New Zealand Prime Ministers, they opened the National Anzac Centre at Mount Clarence in Albany to commemorate 100 years since the first Anzac troops departed from King George Sound. 
Approximately 40,000 people attended the commemorative event held between 30th October and the 2nd of November 2014. If you have the opportunity, make sure that you do visit the National Anzac Centre at Mount Clarence in Albany. It's absolutely brilliant. An auxiliary submarine base for the US Navy's 7th Fleet was developed during the Second World War in the event the submarine base at Fremantle was lost. Also in the harbour was a Royal Australian Navy uh, installation which provided for refuelling for four 5,100-tonne fuel tanks. And you've got to visit... um, there's a lot of colonial history in Albany, um, like St John's Church. It's a stone building um, in the old colonial Gothic picturesque style. That's, uh, I think it was commenced in 1841. Patrick Taylor Cottage is West Australia's oldest surviving dwelling, built in 1832 by the Morley Brothers, and it's now maintained by the Albany Historical Society. The old farm, Strawberry Hill, was established in 1827 as a government farm to actually feed the colonial soldiers which were stationed around King George Sound. It's the oldest farm in Western Australia, and the homestead which became the home of the government uh, of the government resident in 1833 is an example of a colonial gentleman's residence and after a check at history the, pop- the property was vested to the National Trust in 1964 and is now a house museum. And the coastline around Albany is notorious for the deaths due to king waves washing people off rocks. The uh, Torindup National Park features some of the more rugged coastline in the area. However, there are many beaches that are safe and usable around Albany. Betty's Beach was named after Betty Jones, who used to go camping there with her family, and it was initially called Betty's Bay. There's Frenchman's Frenchman Bay Beach, which is adjacent to the Torindup National Park. It was originally called Quarantine Bay, owing to the quarantine station set up by the British in 1826 on Mistaken Island at the northern end of Good Beach. You can find Misery Beach located 20 k south of Albany. It was so named owing to the location of the whaling station at Albany that operated to 1978, causing offal to be washed ashore at Misery Beach and its sand and waters to be stained red. However, the beach was named Tourism Australia's Best Beach in 2022, but they described it as ticking all the boxes of what the typical beachgoer is looking for, uncrowded crystal white sand, turquoise waters and a very dramatic granite backdrop. Other beaches include Emu Point, Gull Rock Beach, also known as Boiler Beach, Middleton Beach, Narrowup Beach, Muttonbird Beach, Cozy Corner, Two People's Bay, including Little Beach and Waterfall Beach. Albany has a warm summer Mediterranean type climate with dry warm summers, mild wet winters and pleasant springs and autumns. Summers have a short spell of very hot weather but uh, the cool ocean breeze brings relief especially during evenings and nights. And I've got to tell you we spent a lot of time in Albany, lived in Albany for a while. Jeff's uh, dad was actually born in, in Albany and they lived in Albany. His grandfather, Jeff's grandfather, actually uh, jumped ship at Albany and uh, set up the family there. So we're, we're very, very familiar with Albany. It's a lovely place. A lot of people from Perth go down there for their holidays and it's a fantastic place to, to visit. And I really recommend that you put that on your bucket list and allow a good a, a good week to uh, hang out at Albany, base yourself in Albany and go off on various journeys all around the local area of the Great Southern in Western Australia. Yeah, that that's silence. That means that the generator has just run out of fuel, which wraps up our edition of the Roadless Travel Podcast. Hope that you've enjoyed some of what we've had to review on this week's show and also a little bit about Albany in Western Australia and the Great Southern region of Western Australia as well. If you've got some feedback on the show, please feel free to share it with us. Give us a review and a like on our 
Facebook page and also on our Instagram. And we'll catch you up with you very soon. My name is Nikki Shea. Thank you very much for listening to the Road Less Travel podcast. And I hope to catch you out there very soon on the road. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. The Road Less Travelled is presented by Nikki Shea and produced by Fat Cat Media. 